What if you were born with a disease that you always knew would kill you? And then what if all of a sudden you were given a second chance? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. And it's the question that we explore on the new podcast series, Breathless from Snack Labs. Join me, Jeremy Saunders, for a series that explores what it means to live and die, to love and to lose, and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down and the unexpected challenges that come with a life-saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, baby. Hello, my love. It's Termion time. That's with Jeremy and Brady. Yeah, yeah. That's the, so. Because uh, last week you were, I said um, ready to talk about sex, and you said you hate, hate that. That so. This is this is our new int- This is how we enter the. Sh- this is our new entry to the show now. Let's try several different things. Okay. Like so, next so that, week we'll try something different. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. 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 All right. Cool. Uh, so yeah, great, great, uh, <laughs> great to be here, everyone. Thank you so much for that uh, raucous applause. Uh, <laughs> look at look at you all. You all look great. Uh, thanks for coming out, um, babe. <laughs> we man, can I fucking say something right now? There's just I don't know if I should put this in the show. There's I, a guy outside the house. Yeah, man. There's this guy outside that. I have to take anti-defamation training for Sick Boy, and uh, I don't even know what that means, to be honest with you. I think it's like... You're not allowed to, sl- to teach you how to not slander other people? I guess so. Yeah. We, we, there's some, Do you have a slandering problem? <laughs> I don't think, but it's... We, so, 
I can't really talk about it uh, yet, but there's like big, big news in the sick boy world, and we're, we've we've basically uh, we kind of made a we've we we sh- we made a new friend. <laughs> we made a new friend, and uh, so the show is going to be like a it's a network thing, and so awesome, it's awesome. We're fucking super stoked, and uh, but we haven't announced it yet. But uh, as a part of it, it's it's so it's making things very official. You know, it's like this podcast we started in a fucking basement in Brian's mom's basement is now like, oh, this is now like a like a a part of an institution kind of thing. Anyway, we got to take anti-defamation training. And I'm like, now every time I go to talk about anything, which we haven't done it yet, so I don't even know what that fucking means. But now I go to say something and I'm like, oh God, can I not say this? But anyway, all that to say, there's this guy across the street, this guy that lives across the street. I'm whispering because he's right outside the, he's right outside the fucking house right here. He, I'm pretty sure, babe, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure this guy across the street who shall not be named, and I will not say anything that gives anyone any sense of what this person looks like so they can't defamation fate, uh, sue me. Um, I, I think he might be a peeping Tom. Really? And I think I'm his victim. Okay. Dude, this I... This seems less plausible by the second, but... Wait, well, no, 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 no. Hold on. I'm not joking. He loves... So his, his balcony overlooks the... Sh- like, looks... I can see his balcony right now. Like I'm sitting right. right, like we have this big window in the front of the house and he sits on the balcony. And if he just, he just sits on the balcony, he just looks in here at me and I'll like, I'll just, I'll see him staring at me and I'll just like posture up and fucking look back at him and he doesn't look away. And it's really weird. And so, and he's probably looking at his own reflection. No man. No, no, no. no. Okay. All right. Let me, let me give you this quick example then. I had a lady you friend. Waved, you waved back? Yeah. I had a lady friend over and they came to the house and kind of like, well, like, you know, was like excited to see me. We didn't waste any time and started sucking face. And I think like both of our shirts came off in the process and... It was like evening, but like evening now, you know, these days, like the sun doesn't fucking go down for forever. So it was like, it was probably nine o'clock, but still light out. And yeah. I guess the front door, like didn't, cl- like I didn't close the front door of the house. You Did know? he come over and close the door? No, dude. So then I look up and I'm on the, I'm on the couch and, and, and from my vantage point on the couch, I can like see out the front door of the house, like, like a, just a sliver, just a little bit, but enough to see out and for enough for someone to see in. And I, in the midst of like this little makeout sesh, topless, I look over my, my friend's shoulder here and I see outside and he's fucking standing and where he's standing, listen to this bride, where he's standing, if I look out that door in that direction, he's nowhere near his balcony. He's out on the curb like up the street, maybe 50 feet to get a vantage point in. And he's just standing there looking. And so I start laughing. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And I stand up and I go over to the door to close it. And I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm just wearing underwear at this point. And I'm laughing and I just wave at him and he waves back and I shut the door and I went, oh my God, he is. He is. a he. Now, allegedly, I, le- I think I have to say allegedly after everything now. Allegedly. 
He's a peeping Tom. We've, uh, when I was in San Francisco. Yeah, chew those chips into the mic. How about that? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Man. You know what I learned? So I have Bigby now for the next couple of weeks. You, you brought me Bigby this weekend. and I did. We can talk about that. Yeah. And I forgot that um, the sounds that come out oh. of his face while oh. he's eating. Oh, my God, dude. Everything. <laughs> Everything. While he's eating, while he's licking his nuts, while he's fucking just breathing it's uh, everything i felt so bad i had to kick him out of the bedroom last night because he couldn't he was breathing panting so heavy it's so hot in the bedroom right but yeah no i had to walk him to the basement where it was cooler yeah no he uh he'll do that he will he will pant like that every night if you haven't he's a cacophony of sounds he sure is but all happening at one time you know what when he's dead babe and he's taxidermied, and we have him in the living room here, where I have him. Well, we're all have him posted up with a cigar coming out of his mouth and a nice, like, cool, like, like newsy hat on. Um, we'll miss the sounds. We'll get the visual, yeah. but we'll miss the sounds. Well, so I, I might get a sound. When we ta- I might get a sound yeah. box and install it into him. I think it's a good idea. That's what I was going to say. Just like a little yeah. battery operated, you just like insert it. And a sense, I mean, a vis- like a um, a movement sensor. So every time you walk b- by it, it just goes like. Or every time, every time your fork hits your teeth, you just hear sounds of him chewing and trying to digest his own food. Yeah. And it's just a reminder that yeah. we're yeah. all loud eaters. That he's our boy. Um, babe, I saw you this week. Oh, for the first time since March. Holy fuck. I drove, I drove my ass all the way over to PEI. Three and a half hours. And... Uh, Probably three at your speed. Yeah, it was three. And um, uh, dude, they do. They are not checking people at. They're they're checking people when they get to PEI. I'll tell you that much. But the Nova Scotia and New Brunswick border, they're just like, giddy on up, like come on through, folks. Like no. The stops fact that there are people there though is like <clears throat> unusual. Yeah, there's still people there, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I came over and I saw you and I got to see you and Todd and Rose and Bigby was there and he was so happy. He was so happy that I left him, which is fucked because I, <laughs> I got really sad on the drive home. Um, but he's only there for a couple of weeks and I'm coming back and I'm getting him. Yeah, so. he is such an old man. He, I think he might be losing his hearing. Like when I call to him and he's far away and there's no acknowledgement for a minute, I was like, what a fucking jerk. But might, now yeah, yeah, I'm just not. not. He might not be able to hear. He might not. He's getting old. There. He's getting old. Like this is crazy, folks. If you've been listening for a while, if you're if you're one of those like OG fucking hardcore TMO fans, and I know you're out we there. We love you. I mean, basically, it's pretty much every one of you listens because our download numbers are very consistent <laughs> every week. It's uh, really. It's like you know, our, our like, numbers aren't huge, and they don't grow. They just stay exact. It's like. <laughs> We might get like one new listener a year, but like everyone else is just like, I've been here from, <laughs> I've been here can't, from the start and I haven't left. Can't wait anyway. to hear how they decide they're going to reintro the show. Yeah. This is yeah. a big development. Well, what I, was gonna, what I was going to say is you're, you're all going to be, you're all going to bear, wit- you've, be- you've bared witness to when Bridie's dad died. You've bared witness to, I think, a, a, you know, a breakup. Um, a divorce. A fuck, a divorce of my, yeah, of my folks. And uh, now you're going to bear witness to Bigby's death this year, probably. I hope it's this year. I really do hope it's 2020. You I, do, eh? Yeah, I do. I just, just so you can really write the year just off. Fucking, just, just get it fucking over with, man. Get it all out this year. That's all I'm saying. It's like, Bigby, if you're going, you're going in 2020, or else you don't get to go. <laughs> 
Wow. Okay. Well, should I just stop giving him a seizure medication and <laughs> yeah. just speed no, it right along? No, don't do that. Oh, no, Sri Lanka no. is calling me. Uh, what do you, who do you think is calling me in Sri Lanka? I um, bet you it's probably important. Yeah. Anyway, prince. it was nice. It was nice to see you, babe. And we got to you taught me a new game. You, we, you taught me to play uh, sevens in dominoes, which you invi- invented a title for. It has no name. I think it's called sevens. I mean, we, we <laughs> every time, every time, every round, you pick seven dominoes. So it's called sevens. Ladies, am I right that whenever you teach a man something, he needs to put his own stamp on it and call it his own? Am I right? You, am you, I right? you know what that's called? That's called mansplaining. Yeah. Uh, speaking of mansplaining, let me, you want to <laughs> let me mansplain something to you? Uh, I have you ever looked at the Wikipedia for mansplaining? No, please. <laughs> it is so good. Is there is there a picture of someone that we know there? Because that would no, be to die for. Uh, you know what? I was just going to say something, and I I'm not allowed to say it, but I'll tell you, <laughs> I'll tell you off mic of who that would have been. Uh, mansplaining. This is the man. This fucking cracks me up. Listen to this. This is also the page is so long. Like, of course. It's just, you're being mansplained what mansplaining is. Okay. Mansplaining, Wikipedia. A blend word of man and the informal (laughs) form, splaining, of the gerund, explaining. It is a pejorative term, meaning of a man, to comment on or explain something to a woman in a condescending, overconfident, and over inaccurate, (laughs) often often inaccurate, or oversimplified manner. Oh my God, my life. Author Rebecca Solnit ascribed the phenomenon to a combination of overconfidence and cluelessness. Lily Rothman of The Atlantic defined it as explaining without regard to the fact that he that the explainee knows more than the explainer often done by a man to a woman. Fuck. Oh my God. So funny. New York Times uh, listed it as one of its words of the year. Uh, man, I wonder if Karen's going to be uh, word of the year this year. 100%. Fucking is there Karen's. a male version of Karen? Uh, yeah, Kevin. Oh, is that a thing or did you just... No, no. I, well, I mean, that's what's being used on, on the socials. Mm, yeah. Okay. If you go to... There's a... there's a Most I, creative I, I new word in 2012, mansplaining. 2012. Oh, yeah. 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 Most creative word, yeah. In 2010, it was named by New York Times as its, of, of its word of the year. Um, this anyway. is cool. The, the verb, the verb splain, has been in use for more than 200 years. Originally, as a colloquial pronunciation of the late Middle English word explain. Explain it to um, me. It came increasingly to refer to condescending or verbose explanations. The boys, uh, the boys, um, Brian and Taylor uh, described me as verbose the other day, and I. And when I, they first did, I was like, "Oh, thank you." And then I looked, <laughs> and then I looked up the the description of verbose, and I was like, "Oh, oh man, but can it's we true. It's very true. have a new segment of the show where we talk about um, words that turn us on?" Because there, I love words, words that so turn much. You on. Yeah, yeah okay. words that turn you on. Yeah, like here, what? here's a here's a synonym for verbose: loquacious. Ah, ooh, loquacious. Wait, but loquacious is that? That sounds nice. Can I? Am I loquacious? Do I want to be T- loquacious? Tending to talk a great deal. <laughs> I sure am loquacious. <laughs> God damn it! Yeah, I mean, you know what? Oh, hey, man, man, that's not. That's not the worst. That's not the worst. You know what I love about you is you're verbose, but you also 
you have an extreme and I don't know if a lot of people get to see this about you, but it's something I really appreciate, is um, while verbose, uh, you you have uh, such a great capacity to change change your mind within a conversation with someone. So I think cha- changing someone's mind as an objective is a very difficult, almost impossible thing to do. Science would say, psychology would say, it's very it's very hard to change someone's mind unless they want their mind to be changed. Right. And although um not only verbose but also like you have some you you can come in hot with like this is how it is, but you are also are you saying More, I change other people's minds no, no, in my no. verboseness saying, or my mind changes? I'm saying that you you have a capacity to uh, come in strong with some opinions, but somehow stay open and acknowledge other people's opinions and points to be valuable and true and worth considering and right. and allowing your mind to be changed within conversation. Which is like a skill I, you know, when we say verbose or mansplaining, we might think of someone who's just like fucking unreachable because they're so on their own high horse that they can't even like. Right, right, right. So, you know, just to dispel that negative connotation that comes with verbose. Mm. um, Yeah, I I find that at least you're open and... uh, and in the very receptive. least, yeah, yeah no, I ga- It's because I gaslight myself. Um, you know, another word that the that the guys used uh, was uh, was bombastic, and I was like, "Oh, that's cool, thanks." And then I looked up bombastic. Didn't like didn't like that one either. What's that mean? Look it up. But there's a there's a song with um, that that word in it. Do you know what it is? Well, we're a little bit bombastic, I, mighty fantastic. What is that? Who is that? I Who believe that? that could be Sean Paul. Sean Paul, Mr. Gasol. Actually, maybe that isn't Sean Paul. Bomb. No, 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 no. It's Shaggy. It's it's sh- it's Shaggy. Shaggy. He's got that like. No, that's uh, that's Louis Armstrong trying to do. Uh, what, is, what, are, what are those lyrics, though? Bombastic. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, I'm shaggy. I'm, I'm, bomb, shaggy bombastic. This is the song, uh, Mister Bombastic. All right, here. Uh, what you want is some bombastic some romantic. Yeah. Boombastic yeah. romantic. Fantastic mm. lover. God, he was Shaggy. Was the shit, man. Who's Shaggy? I thought that was just another one of uh, no, no, shaggy, shaggy Snoop Dogg's nicknames. No, 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 no. Shaggy was like the. Dude, he's he had such a voice. Um, Did he die? Uh, well, no, I yeah, just haven't. No. I just haven't heard of him in a long time. Interesting. Maybe, maybe he did die. I don't know. You know, in the when you Google a name and it, you get this like uh, like little profile on the side available on Spotify, YouTube, YouTube Music. Um, it says Orville Richard Burrell, CDOJ, better known by his stage name Shaggy is a Jamaican reggae musician, singer, DJ, and actor who scored hits with It Wasn't Me, Boombastic, In the Summertime, Oh, Carolina, and Angel. But then it says Years of Service, 1988 to 1981. Does that mean, like, specifically, like, military service? Perhaps. Where is he from? Uh, Jamaican reggae uh, music singer. Uh, I don't think... Jam- I don't... I mean, it could be service, but... 
I was wondering if it was like a country where you're uh, like in, like in some country. I think in Korea, you're you're you have to do a year right. of service. Interesting. Bastic. Years of service. Rank Lance Corporal. Yeah, Unit Tenth Marine Regiment. She says, Fought in the Gulf War. Mr. Boombastic, tell me fantastic. Touch me on the back. She says, I'm Mr. Rowe. That's yeah. going to be our new uh, yeah. karaoke song. That's one thing that I miss that COVID has taken away. It's karaoke? karaoke? We've yeah. talked about that before. Yeah. Hey, you know, uh, one, you know another thing that COVID took away? Check this out. This is a really interesting article that, uh, that Lauren, uh, co-producer of Sick Boy, sent my way. It's a New York Times article. This comes from Henry Goldblatt. How to shoot a sex scene in a pandemic. Cue the mannequins. Of all the weird ways that COVID-19 has affected life in this country, one of the most bizarre is taking place on a soundstage in Los Angeles. That's where actors on the CBS soap opera, The Bold and the Beautiful, have been shooting intimate scenes with mannequins. Quote, at first we took our out the love scenes and the show is falling a little flat because we're all about romance and family interactions, unquote, said Bradley Bell, the executive producer of CBS daytime drama. Quote, one of the first ideas we had was to bring in mannequins for the intimate scenes and hospital scenes. And it's working quite well. We're (laughs) we're shooting it from a great distance or in a way you can't see the form is inanimate, unquote. How are the performers reacting to their lifeless co-stars? Quote, we've had a lot of strange looks and questions like, do you really want to do this? Unquote, Bell says. Quote, but everyone is game. They're getting their first latex kiss. Unquote. Dude, how interesting is that shit? Fucking mannequins. COVID-19 has been particularly vexing for the writers of TV's sexiest, most romantic series as they try to figure out how to portray physical intimacy. The scenes that draw in Not viewers... the writer's job. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, well, it, well, it kind of is. So, so I, I, I skipped a little ahead there, but um, um, they're one of the things that they're doing is they're trying to rewrite shows so that they don't have these scenes as much, right? So, um, this is back from the article. The scenes that draw on viewers and spark Twitter hashtags while keeping their performance. Uh, so, uh, vexing for writers as they try to figure out how to portray physical in- intimacy while keeping their, par- their performance safe. So far, producers of shows like Riverdale, Dynasty, and The L Word, Generation Q, are planning on a combination of safety protocols and narrative tricks. These include aggressive testing of cast and crew, quarantining on set medical professionals, camera wizardry, illusion and innuendo-laden scripts with subtext reminiscent of the 1970s TV, it was an open secret, for example, that Mary Richards of the Mary Tyler Moore show was sexually active, even though the series never addressed it. And yes, the occasional mannequin. Isn't that so interesting? Mannequin love scenes. It's really interesting. And it, what it's making me think about is like, what will, if there are generations in the future of now, um, what you know, who are studying film, let's say, mm. and television, ha- and and everything else in the world. Like, if you if you're a if you're a filmmaker without any knowledge of history, then you might be watching these films from like let's say a hundred years. You're watching a hundred years from now films that are made today. Yeah, and they seem very prudish, and they seem like you know there's no open displays of 
affection or sexuality on screen, will will it be will it be like ah yes? But this moment at this moment in history when things were happening, you know, this is what was changing. Like it mm. just shows to me like the importance of studying world events when we're studying art and what it's te- what we're interpreting it to tell us about yeah. the world. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, fuck, it's, we've talked about this a number of times on the show, but like, uh, it, it, what you just said, that reminded me of Disclosure, you know, that yeah. documentary about, about representative, representation of trans folks in Hollywood and how, how that plays a direct role in how society views people who are trans and, totally. and, or how, or what we, you know, like the, what we, what we think of, of of trans people or, or what, what our preconceived notions are of trans people. Like one of the things that stuck out to me the most in that show was, and it never dawned on me, but, um, uh, and maybe I said this on the show. So if I have, I apologize. Um, but, uh, um, Oh Christ, what's the fucking movie? Uh, um, hello, Clarice. Um, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, thanks. Silence of the Lambs. Um, it never dawned on me that, that Buffalo Bill was like, mm. was trans. Uh, well, or, or were these, they were sort uh, of, uh, yeah, they, I mean, or were, were a like, psychopath well, and who, that, like, who, who skinned people. Yes. Yes. But like, but the, that whole scene of him like tucking his dick back and like, and like cross dressing and, mm-hmm. and one of the things that was said in the documentary was this, this trans actress who came out to like a coworker, uh, disclosed to a coworker that like she was trans and the, and the coworker was like the response, her reaction was, wait, you mean like Buffalo bill and like how, how fucking crazy is that? Like how crazy is it that someone who had never met a trans person before they're only the only the only like thing they could is this relate that evil. to is a fucking like what you just said a serial killer that skin it puts the lotion on its skin before it gets burnt like all that shit and that that was the first thought that came to their head when someone said I'm trans mm. like that oh like Buffalo Bill that's fucking yeah that's great and that is the power of film and television and art you know like I remember telling you because so you and I are movie lovers and we've watched a lot of movies together. And I remember going and it's the same thing with Todd. It's like when we go through the catalog and Netflix or Crave or Prime or whatever, and we're picking out things, I still notice that I have a proclivity to choose things that are, have roles for people like me. And I think that I always, I always sort of describe that as like, yeah, I want, like I remember years ago being like, yeah, I want to watch movies that have women in them because I want to like see myself in this movie. And um and boy did that ever land when I watched Disclosure too. And I was oh like, yeah. Oh yeah. right. Visibility. Yeah. Representation. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I I I mean the the moment that I realized how fucking hardcore and important that is is when I watched Five Feet Apart. You know, like that was the first time I, it was the first time I ever went, oh, this is what it's like to see yourself represented in film. 
I'm a fucking white, straight white male. Every fucking film I watch is me being represented. But then it was when I saw it, you know, that movie. Cystic fibrosis. Yeah, it was like, it was very different. It was like, Mm -hmm. oh, oh, whoa, 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 I'm not used to this feeling. This is, this is, this is really important. It's a barrier. And uh, to like, um, now that I recognize that I'm like, oh, I want to watch myself, I've realized what a barrier that is to like watching other movies that are really great, right? Like, the other day, last night, I watched Ad Astra for the first time. And that was like, I like Brad Pitt. Did you like it? I liked it. Yeah, oh, did I you? liked it. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I know. Um, I liked it, and but it wasn't something that I would have selected because I would have been like, "Where's the leading woman?" Right. You know, because I want to watch something that I could do or where I could picture myself in. But now, I'm, then after, so felt Todd and I were watching Ad Astra. He fell asleep. Uh, at Astro's over and I was like, I'm still awake, so I'm going to watch something else. So I put Parasite on and oh, I had yeah. no idea Wait, that it was subtitled. Oh I had my God. no idea. Oh my God. So I'm 20 minutes in. I'm also like half a bottle of wine in and a, a joint. And I was just like, after about 20 minutes, I was like, I, if you had told me, I, I, I only know that Parasite is a great movie. That's all I've heard. Yeah. But if you had been like, yes. Uh, it's subtitled. I w- would not have clicked on it. So That's now like, I'm clicking on it. And w- where's it made? Is it? Is I can't, it? A, it's cre- it's a Korean film. Yeah. I yeah. can't. I can't handle you freaks that don't like subtitled films. Get the fuck over yourself. I don't mind subtitled films, but when I'm half a bottle of wine, I, don't know, I get it. Vision I, is like. You know, yeah, I get it's it. Nighttime. You, know, you know when I don't like to watch <clears throat> um, subtitled films is when I'm watching a movie where I want to lay on my side. Mm-hmm. That's the only time. Because it's for me, it's really hard to read when yeah. I'm on my side. Yeah. Uh, so wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. You watched. So wait, did you finish it? You or you, no, 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 no. It was way too late at night. Yeah, I was like, was like way was like, past my bedtime. It was like ten forty-five. It's also a long movie. <laughs> and I just well, watched Ad Astra, which is like a three-hour yeah. long movie as well. Well, fuck, babe, you gotta watch. You gotta you gotta go back. You gotta finish it and then come back to me and and we'll talk about it cuz well then this all to good. say that my just the tips probably would be watch a movie that you are not in yeah if my you want to like yeah. be a little bit like yeah i uh, want to participate in in like just getting outside of your comfort zone totally but you don't really want to get outside your comfort zone watch a movie that is like that not for you maybe yeah yeah, yeah. and you know what um uh and this I'm 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 going to give this piece of advice uh based off of this new podcast that I've been listening to which I fucking love. I think it's maybe one of the best podcasts I've listened to in ever. Okay. Um uh the Scaredy Cats horror show. So it's 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 the guys from Reply All. Um PJ Vought and um uh Alex uh what's his fucking name? Alex Goldman. Um Alex is so basically how it works is Alex is a huge horror fan, horror film buff, and PJ has never watched a horror like hates fucking hates horror movie and actually like turns his nose up at it thinks it's like why this, like, is he on this podcast I love he, it he thinks it's like this low brow it's uh, so hold on let me let me explain because it it's really really brilliant so he, he thinks it's like this low it's like low art you know like it's like like the the, the low hanging fruit you know there, there's nothing good about horror. But Alex is the complete opposite, and he he's he's you know he will he'll die on that hill. Well, PJ 
experienced this thing a couple of years ago where um, uh, Get Out came out, the Jordan Peele film, which is like an astounding piece of film. But it's also categorized as as a horror film. And and PJ felt like he was missing out because everyone in his in his bubble, everyone in his like social circle was was praising this film of of how how extraordinary it was. And he was like he felt like he was really missing something socially and culturally important. But he he because he's never watched horror movies and because he's always hated them, he was too scared to watch Get Out. So he never watched it. And so this whole podcast is, it's only five episodes. And the way it works is they decided, Alex decided, okay, we're going to, I'm going to train you to watch Get Out. Not just so that you won't be scared, but so that you can actually go into that movie, watch it and enjoy it. And so he takes every episode is them talking about the, the horror film that Alex made PJ watch. And they start, the very first episode is The Exorcist. And then the next episode is A Nightmare on Elm Street. And the episode that follows that is Alien. And so they're watching these, like, heavy hitters, like, you know, big, big pieces of, of uh, you know, big footprints in the world of horror. And they kind of break it down. And, and it's so fascinating. Like, someone who hates horror film should for sure listen to this podcast. Someone who loves horror films should for sure listen to this podcast. But the reason I came on to that or was, was uh, started talking about this was because you were saying watch something that you wouldn't typically watch. If you wouldn't typically watch horror films, choose one of the films within these five films that, that Alex makes PJ watch. Watch it and then listen to that episode and, and see what that experience is like because I think it would be really neat. I was really sad that I I love horror films so much. And so like I've seen all these movies so so many times over and over and over again. And I was kind of bummed that there wasn't a film in there that I hadn't seen yet because it would have mm-hmm. been really fun to like watch it and anyway. Um uh listen, I I've been talking a lot here. I'll give my just the tips and then we can throw to this week's episode because it's <laughs> I that was your just the tips. No, right, my, Mr. no my 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 <laughs> My Just the Tips is weed water. Dude, carbonated weed water. I got to PEI to see you. And I, as soon as I roll up, Todd's like, you wanna, do you want a, a sparkly weed water? And I go, what? What? On, I don't know if they're selling it here in Halifax. They must be. But, but on, on PEI. Countrywide. Okay. So you can go to the weed store. And I, you know what? I don't fucking care what you think about like the province is selling weed. Support your local dealer <laughs> for sure. But they don't have weed water. They don't have, they don't have fucking weed water. And this is like, so if you like bubbly, I love bubbly, like, like the, you know, bubbly water or, or La Croix. Uh, I don't, I, La Croix is okay. Montelier is really good. Um, San Pellegrino is okay. Uh, anyway, I like bubbly waters. And so you, so this can is like 2.5 milligrams of THC. I don't do THC too much. 2.5? doesn't usually agree with you. It's such a perfect amount. It's in this fucking grapefruit, refreshing grapefruit, bubbly water. You don't even taste the weed. It's, it's amazing. I loved it. It's, I love it. Weed water. 
How Just long did you did you notice when uh, it kind of sunk in for you? Because like digestible, non-smokable THC is like, you know, I use oil on a regular basis, but I it usually oil, yeah. takes one to two hours before I actually start to feel it. Well, you, oil usually takes me. Water? Yeah, oil takes about forty-five minutes for me. It, the, with the weed water, it's it's so subdued that it's like hard to tell. Mm. It's hard to tell. If so I drank two of them, I might have. Maybe I'll know, but. Important for our listeners to know that THC does not normally agree with you. So, so you have to be really considerate about your dosages. But this yeah. weed water gave you the experience of being. At first, you were like, "I don't think it's really doing anything," but it, it, it. <laughs> I think we were joking that it numbed me, but it, it's not. Not that it. He numbed was comfortably me. numb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was really comfortably subdued. You know. And I've been I've been high strung. I've been really stressed out. I've been anxious. I've been depressed lately, and and so it was just this like, <sighs> yeah. that's what it was. I agree. It it is a nice social uh, thing to have as well, because like if you're not drinking for whatever reason, you can have you, yeah, can, you still can have feel one. like have a special drink, and yeah. also it it is like it's it seems to be across the board. Everyone I know that's yeah. tried it is like. I just feel very like a lot of people that I know that work with anxiety, like big, intense anxiety. This is their main sort of. Yeah. This is the way the main way they consume. It's nice. Turn me on. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, all right. We we're going to 
we're gonna throw into this episode, it, folks. We should have said I don't something. Know. We should have said something right off the top of it this episode to get people hype because this is a it's, fucking hype episode. <laughs> this episode went from zero to one hundred in, in the seconds. first few seconds, and I think that it's the least you and I have ever spoken in an episode. Oh, I was not verbose whatsoever. No, there I was, was no, not bombastic. It was, you know, I, I wasn't loquacious. No. And there's no mansplaining that happens on here, I don't think. No, I don't think so. I'm not by me. Um, there's a this is a beautiful conversation. I was we I was so happy to stumble into and can't wait for part 2 and and beyond cuz I really think there's yeah. uh, some potential there for conversations. These two folks that we interviewed last week are professionals in their field. Um it has a lot to do with oncology and uh, prostate cancer. Yeah. And, but then it swings wildly and you know, beautifully over to um, caring. Yeah. This um, episode, this ep- you know what this episode is? This episode is about love. That's, that's all this episode is about. It's just about like connection, overwhelming love and connection and connection. I say and connection. Um, Gabriella and Rob are two, uh, doctors that I met at an oncology summit in Banff and they were big turn me on fans and wanted to be on the show really badly. And, and so it took us, you know, about a year to figure it out, but we got them on the show and it was this the thing that really struck me about this episode was that I, in that moment, especially that day, like, you know, cause this was, this was like a, uh, it's about a week ago. I really needed this conversation. Mm, I in think that I moment. did too. And it, and this, this filled me up. Um, so I hope that it does the same for you because these two are very special very special human beings, a very special couple. <laughs> I mean, I fucking wish you could see it when they were talking, <laughs> but like, you're definitely going to hear it. All the little smooches they give each other the whole time. Um, you know, any other time I'd be like disgusted by that much PDA, but for with them, it's like, I don't know. It just, it's oh. just like the sweetest fucking thing. It gave me some tools. I'm not going to lie. Like yeah. I definitely gave me some tools and, yeah. uh, um, and just before we sneak over there and give you what you've been waiting for, our our weekly tantalizing episode, um, I just want to make a really special announcement that if you haven't seen it yet in your inbox and you haven't seen it yet on your Instagram, you should know that um, uh, Jeremy and I got together this weekend for the first time since March and had a really beautiful and lovely weekend, great for both of our hearts, but also great for our Patreon. And uh, you can find us over there with a handful of new rewards in our tiers. Merch. Uh, we got Patreon merch. Absolutely. And so uh, the way that plays out is if if you're an existing Patreon member or you sign up now, um, you, uh, you're you eligible to be sent um, for your sweet and generous patronage some of our sweet and sexy merch. And uh, and actually, one of those items of merch includes a mannequin. And I won't say anything more. Oh, yeah. But you can uh, you can head on over and, and check out our Instagram stories if, if you haven't yet to see what those are. Or our Patreon, patreon.com slash 
All right, this is our conversation with Gabrielle and Rob. We hope you love it as much as we did, and we will see you all on the other side. <laughs> oh, we are going to get into it. This is good. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. So, uh, Gabriella and Rob, uh, I guess, I, I guess uh, to start this off, I, um, uh, it's we've met very briefly one time before, and it was um, it was it was quite a pleasure. I, I had the pleasure of meeting the two of you while um, I was speaking. Alongside Brian and Taylor, our, our the co-hosts of Sick Boy Podcast, we were speaking at a at a psychosocial uh, psychosocial oncology conference. world yeah. summit. That's and, right, and uh, in Banff, and it was the most beautiful place. Yeah. And after our talk, um, I just remember the two of you coming up and like so excitedly uh, <laughs> engaging with me, and and somehow within that. Um, I, I believe it was, I don't remember who brought it up, but I believe it was Gabriella who, who had mentioned, um, uh, wanting to come on turn me on podcast. Yeah. And, and I was like, I was, I, I was taken aback because usually turn me on does not usually come up when I speak at these, like <laughs> yeah, exactly. speak at these medical conferences. So, uh, so I was like, yeah, hell yeah, let's make this happen. And uh, it also turns out that you guys also live here in Halifax. Yes. yes. But, but I guess for our listeners and, and for Bridie too, to kind of get her caught up, um, why don't you let us know what it is that you do and, and why, why turn me on as opposed to uh, being guests on, on Sick Boy? Go for it, love. You go for it. No, I, I've got a story. So you, you go you introduce I guess, yourself I guess first. I should also say you guys are married as well. So this yeah, is like yeah. the, the, cutest, the cutest fucking yeah. thing. Oh, my goodness. You know, I think the heavens opened and said, okay, those two are doing such important work and they really love what they're doing. Might as well put them together <laughs> so that they continue their, their journey beside mm. one another. Mm. So by background, I'm a psychology professor and I taught a lot of courses in human psychology, including sexuality, uh, but and also aging. health psychology yep. Yep. Um, that has a lot to do with cancer and cancer survivorship. And right now I work as an epidemiologist at Dalhousie University, looking at how a cancer diagnosis, a prostate cancer diagnosis more specifically, affects and the treatments, affect the quality of life of the patient, the survivor, but also the family around, mm. the spouse, you know, people that we interact with. And finding really ways, first off, trying to gather the voice of the patient and transforming that into something tangible that empowers the patient so that they have a better quality of life. And I love what I do. Yeah, and this the story on my side, so I'm a radiation oncologist and you know, quite the kind of man perspective. It's all about the individual. I've been treating prostate cancer for like 25 years and it took like a quality of life research to say, oh, oh these guys are really suffering afterwards. Mm-hmm. So imagine you get like your prostate out or you get high dose radiation to your prostate and you lose your erections overnight, Yeah. right? And oh, how wow, that's yeah. going to impact on you and all yeah. the other side effects. And, uh, you know, one of the guys said going from age 57 to age 75. Imagine that when you, yeah. when you normally would have something like 20 years to get there and now overnight 
you find yourself in a young man's body, yet physically speaking, from a functional point of view, you're an old man. Yeah. And you mm. need to adjust to that. And you need to start questioning, what does that mean for me? Yeah. Now that the life circumstances have changed, you know, can mm. I be with a partner if I don't have a partner? Or if I have a partner, can my partner adjust to the lack of erectile function, of, for instance, and, yeah. and yeah. treat me the way my life circumstances did not treat me. Because that's when the odyssey of true intimacy really starts. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. Where, where, where you enter that territory of unconditional love. Can you see me and can you treat me with a kindness that perhaps my life circumstances have not treated me? Can you give me that gentleness? That's, that's, that's what's going to help me deep into true intimacy. Mm. Where I don't connect just body to body, but soul to soul, spirit to spirit. Where I don't uh. know where I start and where you begin, right. or, or or vice, or where I end and D- where you deep, begin. Deeper there's, levels there's of sexuality that we'll there. get into, but I I wanted to because <laughs> there's got so much to talk about. Uh, <laughs> so we've been actually actually uh, telling telling we've been actually teaching the guys how to um, have a better sexual life, even yeah. if you suffer from erectile dysfunction. Exactly. But before I go there, Jeremy, I want to tell you a story why I was late, you know, kind of getting onto this podcast right now yeah. is I got called in to see a couple of guys that were, were putting through what they call a patient empowerment program. We're trying to help the guys adjust to going from 57 to 75, you know, losing their erections, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And all the quality of life hits there. And thank goodness for you guys, turn me on podcast, right? So we want to raise the kind of openness, awareness of sexual issues within society so that this old guy doesn't have to go in and be embarrassed about me asking him this question. Like, Mm. you know, this is going to take a hit on your sexual life. We want, we have this empowerment program, but I'm too shy even at this phase to ask that question. Mm. So I am pitching the trial, but I really dumbed down that part of it. We, I talk about, well, this is going to help you with connections and your relationships mm-hmm. in your life, but I mm. actually don't go into this like, no, this is going to be a hit psychologically. So let's, mm. let's start to work with this and mm. empower you around it. So that- yeah, and my love, the, the hit really, <laughs> guys, the hit really here is one of connection because what happens when life circumstances like a cancer diagnosis that affects our sexual function hits, mm. what happens is we disconnect. That, that's when the disconnect happens. And the question is, how do I get back to that joy of living? Because mm. my life hasn't ended. My, my, my life is continuing and I have the potential to, to lead a very good, healthy, happy, I mean really, truly joyful and mm. mature and full life. But how do I do that now that I feel disconnected, now that I have all those issues that I don't know how to reconcile, I don't know how to make sense of them. And right. Plus, I don't really know who's going to want to listen to me. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, okay, I, I guess to, to reel it back a little bit, yeah. um, mm. something that... So, so we're talking about um, male patients who come in with with prostate cancer. They go through the treatment, and and what I'm gathering is that it, it's almost. I mean, maybe not guaranteed, but correct me if I'm wrong. Almost guaranteed that after going through the treatments that are required for prostate cancer, you're you're going to come out on the other end with with the inability to to be, become erect. Well, I'll, so, I'll, I'll give you the data on this. Uh, sure. Right? Yeah. I mean, the surgeons, when they present it, they may present a 20% risk of erectile dysfunction. The radiation oncologist, because we're treating older patients, may present a 50% chance of suffering from erectile dysfunction. 
but it's only if you've got good erections to start out with. And so if your erections are waning and you uh, take an extra hit through the surgery or the radiation, then you're likely to suffer from erectile dysfunction. What is, what's, what's like physiologically, what is mm-hmm. causing the, like uh, from, from a surgery mm-hmm. standpoint, I'm assuming it has something to do with like the severing of, of certain blood vessels or, or nerves. Yeah. Right. Nerves. Yeah. yeah. So, and then so the, from a radiology the, standpoint, it's, yeah. it's like, it's just being zapped. That, well, that sort of yeah. Good, good. Uh, that was, that's such a fucking analogy. Like, <laughs> analogy. But you think about that's such the, a dumb down way to say it. Just zap. Yeah, no, it's I guess it's, so you think of the prostate glands and the nerves that uh, supply the penis to help with the erections go around the outside edge of the prostate gland. So when the surgeon takes out the prostate, sometimes they nick or stretch those nerves and so mm. that's the surgery side of it. And yes, there's a you know, nerve sparing prostatectomy or prostate surgery sometimes available, but really the nerves are so close to the prostate, it is a real danger. In the radiation side, those nerves are also getting a high dose of radiation and the blood vessels that supply the penis also can get narrowed. And so you get less blood flow. And if you have kind of less blood flow because you're older or you have a high mm. blood pressure or diabetes, you know, it's just like more and more hits on the kind of physical part of our uh, erectile function. Yeah, and then there's the hormonal therapy, and that that's when you start growing breasts and you yes. start having you know yeah. hot flashes like like women during menopause, and mm. and, you, and you those, lose your libido as and well. You lose, lose your, your libido, sex drive. and yeah. there's some cognitive yeah. deficit there yeah. that can occur as a result of it. So all those changes coming at you at once, and because we identify so much with our body, right? So th- th- all those changes. But by the time they hit in, because they violate this expectation in terms of how I should feel, what I should be able to do, you know, Um, Mm. they, they, they take quite a hit on the psychological well-being Mm. of those patients, man. And, and, and I'm just going to add to that if I may. Okay, guys. Yeah. There are two researchers by the name of um, Hendrik and Hunt. And back about 10 years ago, they wrote a paper and they said that on average, it might take about four hours for a person who's experiencing chest pains to call a doctor, right? Call 911 and say something is going on. a heart attack, yeah. But on average, listen to this. When our heart is hurting and we're hurting in a relationship and we feel disconnected, it takes on average seven years for a person to pick up the phone, to call a doctor out, yeah. and say, I'm breaking here. Mm. I don't know what to do. And so, so take that, right, in conjunction with what's happening when you get a prostate cancer diagnosis and you get to see what's happening now. And we've done research uh, looking at men all throughout Atlantic Canada. And now we're actually just, I'm just about to submit a paper looking at men throughout Canada. And we mm. compare them with men who never received uh, a lifetime, his, a, a, a prostate cancer diagnosis. We even compare them with those that have any other form of cancer, but not prostate. And the odds ratios are much higher for them to experience depression, to experience men- mental distress. And this is new research and anxiety because Mm. we knew this from small scale studies but never before did we look at you know 65,000 men you know throughout the country to really identify what's happening so obviously there is a problem here it's a silent epidemic because we don't Mm. talk about it it's hidden under the rug and even more so because the way our society perceive those issues who wants to talk about you know sexuality and connection and what's that yeah, mm, agree. Yeah, right. Yeah, and right. so you just think the mental health hit hits, and then you lose the sexual connection with your partner, essentially. And that's, I guess, that's where we're overlapping now with the terminology. Yeah, and and, 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 and yeah. the other issue that that speaks to 
all forms of cancer is that you see when one of our partners get a cancer gets a cancer diagnosis what ends up happening is we switch roles i'm not your lover anymore i'm your caretaker right right yeah mm-hmm. and this is something that that we've we've actually talked about quite at length at, at Bridie. Mm-hmm. i mean you, that's all, all, all also something that you know you and i have talked about a lot through through our relationship and mm-hmm. and uh it's it, yeah it, it's definitely one of those one of those things that can take a huge hit on the dynamics of a relationship between partners. Um, and we have it, a solution. Okay. Oh. I was, no, I was just going to ask. <laughs> we have a solution. We have a solution. Okay. Sweethearts, research shows first, so two things. Number one, research shows that the more roles we take in our relationship, prior to the cancer yeah. or relationships, the, the more we can switch back and forth between them. So the more I'm your lover and your friend and your playmate and um, the person that you want to go to a show with, right? So the, the, the less you compartmentalize with your partner, the better. Because you can go back between those roles very fast and assume them as normal rather than, you know, rigid feeling and, like yeah. you're moving a mountain every yeah. time you go from one role to another. Yeah. That's number oh. one. Interesting. Wait, okay, can you I break w- that down because I cannot go from one role to another. That, see, I was what about. That, I was, I was, what's that say? I was just about to say that. I was like, that. That sounds like it would be like overwhelming for some. Like this and idea of, of of switching back and forth. Mm. Uh uh-uh. uh. So so okay. I'm going to ask you a question just to dwell a little bit in this. What do you think gives a man an erection? Do you think that what gives a man an erection is the stimulus that is out there? Or what, what he makes in here of it, the interpretation. Is that a question uh, for me or for Brian? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a male-oriented question. Yeah, I, go ahead, I, Jeremy. <laughs> I, I mean, I would say I would say I would say a really big part of it is what's going on out there. Is what is what it, no, really? It's, <laughs> yeah. I, I, what I'm, you I'm making ba- here. Right, yeah. What I you guess. making here. So this is how you switch between roles. You take a deep breath. And then you look at your partner and say, mm, what perfume are you wearing? <laughs> or you take a deep breath and your hand reaches for their butt and you squeeze and you say, mm, I like that. There is a picture that I sent to Rob and we do this in the kitchen all the time of an old woman and an old man. They're in the kitchen. He's drying dishes and her hand at 85 is on his butt squeezing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how you do it. You take a right. breath and you say, Mm, those lips. <laughs> Show me. Breathe. I'm here. God, I wish podcasting was more of a visual <laughs> more medium. Visual. This is, yeah, because this is this is oh too gold. God. This is yeah, I just have to say this is like full disclosure. Like we're gonna just yeah. gonna be ourselves and we're just yeah. gonna tell you, the truth. Yeah, you're yes. gonna so take a breath I, and you're gonna say, you you, you hold on to your shirt and you say, Bud, speak to me. Oh. In ways I can accept so the and kitchen, understand. The kitchen. Go where, ahead, Freddie. Where, 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 where are you, professor? I'm, I'm coming. Yeah. <laughs> Online course for this one, right? Yeah. 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 The kitchen is designed so that the kind of my wig has just jumped to one thousand. <laughs> the <laughs> island and the, the rest is very, very tight, and so this is a good one, Bridie. So. I feel like I'm kind of like molesting my wife, like, like kind of all day long as she's kind of making the oatmeal. I'm like grabbing her bum and stuff like that. The difference is that she's molesting me back. And not only that, she's receptive. This is super important. This is like a super serious point. 
when I do that, she goes, oh, that feels good. Like she mm-hmm. is receptive and kind it's of... It's a muscle. Encourages it's a me muscle. to kind of... I feel like a pervert, yeah. like most most of the time, but she's slowly desensitizing <laughs> me Completely desensitizing. It's like years, a muscle. So. Guys, think about it like a muscle. The more you practice it, the more you get good at it. And it takes some time to, to develop a habit. But the more you do it, the more that muscle, that neurocircuitry happens in the brain. Yeah. So I know that irrespective, so I could be having a really, and I'm serious now, I could be having something really going on at work that requires my attention. I'm on fight or flight mode, you know, professional, and I really need to mm. deal with it, right? It has, there's a deadline or there, there's a timeline, I have to submit a grant. And yet, it's very easy. If he happens to be in my proximity... And he slowed down enough to suggest to me that his cues are so important that he's a little bit available. Should I see him? Because I have times when I say, don't talk to me. Yeah. Not right? very often. I have to, no, not very not often, often, but don't talk. Right? So all I have to do is just stop. Really, speed changes right away. And we just stay there. And again, it's nice to just stay there. Don't just go for the kiss right away. Just stay there for a breathe. Remember I just go for the kiss myself. But anyway, and yeah. slow way, way down. One advice I have for anybody that wants to enjoy a sexual experience, and I'm not just talking about penetration. I'm talking about you and I are making one. You and I are... Healing happens when your partner breathes you in and gives you that which your life circumstances or those, whoever, whatever hits you, doesn't give you. That means kindness. Mm. That means love. Mm. That means acceptance. That means you're mine. Mm. And you do that with words and you do that with slowing down and with breath. Breath is so quintessential. It Mm. gives life. Mm. Mm -hmm. And kissing is about breath. Mm. And breath sometimes... Yeah. yeah, and sometimes it's a touch that is slowed down, slowing way, 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 way down. Mm-hmm. So, okay. okay. <laughs> and I haven't gone through number two yet. Yeah. Okay, but... Can okay. we go for it, Friday? Okay, yeah. Friday. I'm, I, I don't know. I'm just like, I feel like I'm in an ocean right now. Um, first of all, when The you island said, is close. <laughs> when you said you have a solution... You guys want to come for dinner? (laughs) Part two, parts one to five of Turn Me On podcast. Um, I'm so, I expected you to say something like the solution to um, to people with penises losing their prostate and um, losing a feeling of like being a sexual being um, and all of their relationships changing would be, so I so I wrote down what I thought the solution would be. So I don't know I don't know where this this other answer came from, but um, would be normalizing other types of intimacy from from before getting right, yeah. ill, yeah, uh, and beyond. And so and I love like how intimate. I guess yeah, I guess that is the same answer because that seems like a very intimate dance that you you have and that you. Yeah. can sense in each other what would you say though to somebody who is 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 really like what you know people who have experienced uh sexual trauma and are like don't actually right. touch me without asking mm, in relationships right, right. not to I'll, like I, steer it over there but no, that's no, no. like you know <clears throat> or any other block it doesn't right, even yeah. have to be a, a sexual trauma but just any block Agreed. to being open to that kind of intimacy agreed um, I have, so, so now this is my second answer. Okay, so your great. question actually leads me to my second answer. There is something called the Imago 
theory. And the Imago theory teaches you how to dialogue with your partner in a way in which you come to know yourself. Now remember, the only way we would ever come to know ourselves is in relationship with another. So what does that mean? That, well, just, I, I love you, Bradley. This is such a great question. <laughs> right. Because it means I need to now stop watching my movie and really through the process of mindfulness, come in the present moment and make myself completely available to me. So when you say, when we're close to being intimate, but you've had sexual trauma and stuff has happened there, you've been violated. And, and I, can, I can sense that something has happened. I'm going to ask you to talk about it if you feel comfortable and if you want to be with me and make one, chances are you're going to say something. Mm. I'm going to say in return, let me see if I get this right and approach you with, I don't know mind. No, I don't know what it means to be you. I don't know what it means to breathe the air the way you do. I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to seek you like a blind man until I find you. And I'm going to ask, is this what you meant? I can sense such and such. Is this, this makes sense. This is why it makes sense. Is there anything more about that? And when I do that, two things happen, especially if I hold your hand, there is oxytocin. That's the cuddle hormone. It's a healing hormone. And, And the more I do that, the more endorphins are invading your body. That's what we feel when we fall in love with another person. We are, endorphins are everywhere. Just, we're chemically drunk. Because what I'm telling you, your, your, your old brain, your primitive brain is saying, I'm going to live, I'm not going to die. She wants to know me, not to judge me. She wants to know me, to love me. Mm. And when I do that, when I stop my chattering mind and I'm fully available to you, I'm fully available to me. That gift I give you, it's my gift to me. That's when connection happens. On that pasture of non-doing, non-right-doing or wrong-doing, like Rumi says. Mm. Uh, there's no judgment. There is, I don't know what it means to be you. I don't know what it means to have your life experiences. I don't know what it means to have your struggles. Teach me, show me. Let me love you. Let me become your beloved. Be my beloved. Can I also just answer it? You know, in some ways we can present this as very easy, but there's actually work to be done here. Mm. And the, you know, when we do that self-work, when we do that self-reflection, you know, the self-compassion piece, when we set our intentions, when we um, decide that we're going to invest in the relationship through an emotional intimacy, the, uh, you know, the kind of the sexual part of the relationship can become deeper, deeper, deeper. And I don't, I don't want to minimize this as well. You know, people suffer from, you know, abuse or erectile dysfunction after prostate surgery, and it's tough and it's, it takes time to grieve those losses and so on. Uh, but the point is we're pointing towards relationship that has a deep connection and oftentimes manifests then through a much healthier, happier sexuality. Yeah, and there's neuroscience and there's science to back this up. So, so those answers are not, you know, just some euphoria from a woman who loves literature and loves <laughs> Rumi and Shakespeare as much. I'm a scientist at base. So you're mm. talking to someone that, you know, I taught over 86 courses in psychology at University of Toronto. So that, that's a lot of courses and over 25,000 people. It's a lot of interaction with actual, you know, young people who go through a lot of those issues. So, so, so and, and, and a lot of review of the literature and seeing what science is. And we have, you know, people 
amazing scientists like, you know, Hendrik and, and Hunt in 1980. They came up with this Imago theory that actually teaches you the ABCs of how to dialogue, how to connect. Dialogue, communication is about connection because that's what's... That's what's being lost in translation. At first, we fall in love. Everything is nice and hanky-dory, and we are drunk on chemicals. Mm. But how do we sustain that through normal living, through when <clears throat> life hits or, us? Or, or yeah, or when something awful happens. <coughs> or, or something yeah. awful happens, like a cancer diagnosis where, you know, COVID mm. comes in and, and it threatens mm. all sorts of aspects of our living. How do we navigate all this? What are some ways in which we can do this? And there's lots of science to back this up. Signs that backs things up at, at the level of living, but also at, at the level that allows you to really spiritually grow, mature, come into a self that you accept totally, mm. you know, you know? And, 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 and a level of maturity that really allows you to be happy dans sa peau, happy in your skin, no matter what happens. Mm. What, yeah. are your, what, what do you find um, about, in your research, like, self-work is is so like ambiguous mm-hmm. and it's like one of those things where you can never like the work is never finished mm-hmm. it feels like mm-hmm. um do you do you encounter anything notable between like people who who i mean i imagine the people who are showing up to get research are people who are curious about the work so what makes that like what what's that trait in a person you know, mm. like, like, to, is it necessity? <clears throat> the dry. The, mm. to, 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 I'm not sure I understand the question. Do you mean? What do you mean by work? I mean the self. Like, so, let's say it takes seven years to for someone to reach out. Oh, I see what and, you mean. And get that, and and right. get that help or acknowledge yeah, that they need yeah, it. Yeah. And it's like, uh, you know, if it was maybe something in the body, something gotcha. very physical, we yeah. respond what to it right it? away. Yeah. yeah. It's, so, it's very simple. Research, again and again, uh, there was research that was published about 10 years ago for the first time, really, in the field of mental health and relationships about wondering, wonderment, you know, wondering about approaching things with a don't know mind. You know, we think that our self-worth, the most important thing about us is what we know. But that's arrogance, really. It's the don't know. It's, it's the no, don't know where the divine lives, where, where the mystery lives, where the connection lives, where, where, where I, I, I realize, I come to realize that we're so much more alike than different. Differences are only of the body. But once you get past that, and, and you do that through communication, once you get past that, you realize just how much more alike than different we are. That, 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 that breath, that, 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 that idea even of, of a beloved lies in that. When I drop all my identifications and approach you with, don't, know, teach me, show me. Mm. And then be grateful, right? And, and realize that everybody that we have actually an encounter with, you know, I would see, I say to myself from, from, a, from a spiritual document called A Course in Miracles, I, I love that, that I, I came upon this, this quote in the book and I'm just in love with it. It says, I will see you as my friend so that I may remember you are part of me and come to know myself. Mm. I mean, how beautiful is that? Mm. You show me who I am. Mm. You teach me who I am. At the end of this interview, when, when it's all nice and quiet and we're not talking anymore, I will be reflecting on that and say, what did I learn? What did that breath that you taking, this is breath, you're spending breath with me. That's precious. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, one thing that I that I'm I'm kind of dying to know is that, like so so through our our discourse of of trying to set this up where we could all sit down and have a chat. Um, Rob, you had mentioned that you you two were giving a, um, a, a quote great sex after cancer workshop at a national conference, mm-hmm. and um, you know I, I've been to I've been to a number of of like hospice conferences and 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 you know like national medical conferences on behalf of my speaking career and, and on behalf of Sick Boy, and I've I. I'm always curious because turn me on is a big, also a huge part of my life. And it's also something that I try to keep separate from, from those, those like that side of my work, because I, I feel like there's, there's sometimes sex is something that we struggle Mm -hmm. to talk about, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and, and it, and, and in, I feel like sometimes in those, those scenarios and those situations, like it's, it's, it's still pretty taboo, but, but I mean, the two of you are going to these national conferences talking about sex and cancer and, and how to have great sex after cancer. How is it, how are those workshops received at national conferences like that? Do you, is it pretty welcome or is it, or do you, do you tend to get any pushback on, on that sort of thing? Or is it just completely different because it's coming from like a scientific background or, or a scientific Mm -hmm. perspective? Yeah, you know, um, you know, one of the reasons I think your podcast is great is that it actually pertains to all of us. And we've been socialized to say, well, let's not talk about sexuality. But Gabriel mm. has taught me an awful lot. And we're sexual beings, really, you know, from the time we're born to the time we die. Um, and so people are very curious. Uh, and often what we want to do is make those teachings about how do we facilitate a better sexual connection uh, in people who had a cancer diagnosis. We try to make those teachings pertinent to each and every person. And so, you know, when we go to a psychosocial oncology conference, people want to be able to learn about how they can do that. And so it's extremely welcome. And just last thing I wanted to say is we use that, that title, Great Sex After Cancer, because it was, um, we were working with Testicular Cancer Canada and we said, can we partner with you? And uh, the CEO, Alex uh, Desay, had, uh, had said, these young guys get a testicular cancer diagnosis, often go through uh, you know, self-image issues, they go through depression, anxiety, which inhibits their ability to actually have good sex. So even though physically they could do that, they're suffering psychologically. Mm. And his organization is pretty kind of edgy. And so we came up with that that title, Great Sex After Cancer. I just want to put that within the context of sometimes you're not going to have great kind of penetrative sex after cancer because it's just not going to work out or you're dying of cancer, et cetera, et cetera. But the same principles apply. So what we're trying to do is, in my mind, we're talking about intimacy and connection mm. as, a, as a kind of precursor, but it's, like, you know, it's not like it's like a, a black or white thing. It says, as you increase your intimacy, your emotional connection, your kind of that love at heart to heart, then the sexual experiences often get, uh, you know, much better and that there are different things we can do to kind of facilitate the sexual connection. Um, And we talk about penetrative sex. We talk about non-penetrative sex. But most importantly, we talk about, and I think this is one point of curiosity for all audiences that we had up to now and 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 you included actually is is how do you get back to that joy of intimacy 
again. Because mm. people oftentimes they say we have sex. I mean, we have penetrative sex or, you know, we touch, but, but the connection is not there. And so <clears throat> that's when we bring in the importance of things like communication and knowing how to communicate. And the imago theory that Dr. Hendrick and Hunt developed in 1980s, it's, it's a great precursor to that if you, if you want to dwell in that. Because they developed a very simple recipe and, and things should be simple. If they're not simple, something is not quite right. You know, it should be simple. So mm-hmm. communication, is communication is one thing. Communication is one thing. But part of that is the idea of, you know, there are, th- there are three components here. There is otherness, there is theirness, and there is oneness, right? No, we don't like otherness. The, the bottom line is when we are intimate with one another, I don't want to breathe into another. I, I want to breathe into one. I want to breathe into theirness. And so communication strategies like the Imago process bring us there. Where, where we are, there is no difference between us. I mean, there is no difference at that level, at that psychological, that soul, spirit level, if you may. So, if, so a process like that brings us from otherness, which is very darn uncomfortable, mm. to theirness. And, and, and that can even go one step further into oneness at the level of mind. The more you practice that, because it's a technique, the more mm. you practice, the better you get at it. And that's when life becomes an odyssey. That's when intimacy, every opportunity you have, because you become appreciative. You, you start seeing value and what counts in all around you, in all your interaction. Mm. You start seeing your partner so much more different because mm. you see, feel seen, validated, heard. There is, there is such connection between you now that you can be in a room full <laughs> with strangers. When I'm in a room full with strangers, I feel the heartbeat of my beloved. We're never mm. disconnected. Yeah. Mm. That's so sweet. It, 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 it's really interesting because, like, and Bridie, I, I mean, you, I, I'm curious if you feel this way, but like hearing, hearing all of this, it... it it's really reminiscent of of the times that we've had conversations with like i'm I'm thinking specifically like with Eva Clay when we were talking about um tantric at yes, like the tantric yes, practice in yes. in sex and intimacy yeah. it's it's i mean it this is very similar in terms mm. of the 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 language that's being used and yes. the the sort of uh, like philosophy behind it all yeah um is that is is that does you? that work? Like does does that have anything? Are you guys absolutely. familiar with talking? I mean, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. guys, what do you think the Kami Sutra is about? You know, mm-hmm. I, I laugh at my so just, students, just my young it, students. Just define it so people who don't know about Kami it. Sutra. Is a, yeah. It's a East uh, Asian document that uh, describes various explicitly various sexual positions and so on. But the, the entire book is predicated on how to connect at the soul level, the the, the sexual positions mm. and the the actual sexual unification. It's just a stepping stone to making one, to again moving from otherness, separateness, to thereness, to oneness. It's, that's that's what it is about. That's mm. what the Kami Sutra was about all along. Right. It was mm. never about how many sexual positions are there, what's yeah, the right. diversity, <laughs> right. and, you know. Right. <laughs> and how- and I'm, I'm, I'm actually super glad that we're touching this topic because we're almost like, I feel like this is almost like a smorgasbord of ideas. Uh, I'm almost like an ocean of ideas, Mm -hmm. uh, potentially. And um, I did want to make sure that we kind of touch this issue. It's almost, it's like uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like you have to feel safe first. You have to feel fed first. You have to, you know, have the kind of first step positive relationship. But as as those needs are fulfilled, as there's kind of a, a safe feeling, as there's an emotional connection, and especially at time of orgasm, uh, there's an incredible bonding that can happen that, um, you know, 
kind of transcends the kind of physical sexual act into something of merging of a kind of a spiritual level. And I just want to mention that what we're trying to do is facilitate those kind of yeah. higher levels. And it's not to say that everyone's going to have that every time. It's just that it's possible through the, this is a spiritual development. This is a psychological development. As you work on those things, then you can experience the kind of higher levels of sexuality. And you know, there are people now that would pay $3,000 to go to India to, to meet a guru that is going to teach them how to go inwards and listening to themselves. And that's great. It's all fine and dandy, but really you're not going to get to connection to spirit, to oneness, to all there is through that. You're going to do it through another human being. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's more likely mm. when you relate, yeah. when, yeah. when you're able to mm. shut down down your 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 chattering mind the monkey mind you know and be fully present that that's that's the connection with the divine that's the oneness that's that's the the, the process where you go from separateness to thereness to oneness right. bingo done it's it's really it's really fascinating to hear the two of you talk about this sort of stuff because it's like it i i mean maybe i'm maybe i'm i'm ignorant to it but but it feels as though um, the, the, the topic or the, 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 the idea of like spirituality and, and like, like, like energetic connection doesn't, doesn't typically, doesn't typically fit within the realm of like science and, and, and research, you know, like, is there, is there, is there, what, what kind of work is being done in, in ter- like from a scientific perspective mm-hmm. to like dig mm-hmm. into this kind of, I, what seems like pretty ethereal, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Actually, a lot of points of view. Yeah, yeah, a lot of work is being done. It's just that, you know, scientists like to stay away from quackery. You know? Right. Yeah, totally. We, yeah. we like to stay away from quackery. At the same time, we investigate things like, for example, just to give you an example, the Imago theory. It's, those two scientists have done an incredible amount of work. Their whole life has been about, you know, helping couples connect. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, healing this disconnect, talking about healing at its essence. You know, and how do we get there? How do we get people to go into their frontal lobe again, neuroscience, to feel that they're loved, they're visible, they're accepted, and somebody wants to know them, where they can integrate things, and they're no longer living in cognitive dissonance, which we've known has contributed to sickness. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't heal and you know think one thing, do another, and live in that kind of you know tension, that pull. So we need to unite the two. So, in fact, there's a lot of science talking about what you would call spiritual principles. Right? But, 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 but here's the thing, you know, and Rob and I were just talking about this morning over breakfast, how, you know, even, even an idea, even a theory, like the Imago theory, you know, you go out there and you talk to some psychiatrists or um, psychotherapists, and they haven't really done their work. They just scratched the surface quickly. They got the techniques to help couples, but they haven't then themselves reflected and, and continue to educate themselves mm. and updated themselves on the continuous research that is done on this field. For example, we've done a, a huge amount of work uh, in neuropsychology looking at how wonderment brings you into the frontal lobe, how with endorphins and oxytocin being released at the same time, you're really... So wonderment is really just like exercise, a good diet, you know, good relationships in your life, eliminating toxic relationships, being wonderment, wondering, 
starting with a don't know mind. I mean, this Mm. is huge. Is it spiritual? Sure it is. Is it quackery? No, I wouldn't say it is because Mm. we have done a lot of science and neuroscience and neuropsychology to, to show, you know, neural connections in the brain and how that happens at the psychological level, at the brain level. Can Um, can I also jump in as well? (laughs) I think we only have about 10 more podcasts to deal with you. We'll, we'll do seconds. We'll do, we'll do <laughs> couples counseling. And we can put the microphones on. And we'll just talk yeah. over. Yeah. So, um, so we four are a product of Western culture. Uh, mm-hmm. We think about things from a very material perspective. Yes. But actually, you know, even Einstein was pointing to something that was bigger than that. Right? Mm-hmm. So there was a, mm-hmm. t- a time-space continuum. If you, if you polled all your listeners... Uh, and said, have you had a, like, a, a, like an experience that you can't explain from a, a, a material point of view? Like somebody passes and you kind of see them that night. You know, there's, there's like um, ESP. There's so many things that we experience that Western science cannot explain. And then what I'm trying to do is get you back into the sexuality piece of this. Mm. We, and that the science shows, and this is like 30 years good science, the science shows that our heart actually has a brain of its own. It has a kind of energetic communication and our heart does connect with other human beings. And I'm just going to tell you this super brief um, experiment. Experiment, I mean, there's, there's, this is science now, but we don't believe it because it just doesn't put into our paradigm yet. So they hook somebody up, they have their brain waves, all no like EEGs. They have the, all the heart monitors on and a computer program uh, randomly brings up a picture that's very positive and loving or really grotesque and awful. And you, the person doesn't know beforehand. And then they watch the response by the monitoring within the heart and within the brain. And as that picture comes up, actually the heart responds more quickly than the frontal lobe by about, I know, three tenths of a second. The heart is picking up, oh, that's awful, prior to the, the brain actually picking up. This is even more wild. This is like, you know, recreational drugs or whatever. Even before the computer randomizes between an awful picture and a positive picture, the heart actually responds according to the type of the picture. So it, it bypasses what? a space-time phenomenon. It's precognition, right? So the point is, the reality is that there's something beyond this physical world. Call it consciousness. Call it something but it's something that transcends this. And I think it is an overlap with the sexual picture because when there is that kind of heart-to-heart connection with that other human being and it's done in a kind of uh, loving way, then the sexuality piece can connect that heart even further. Yeah. Fuck so, yeah. I yeah. love I love that. That is, yeah, that's, I mean, <laughs> and, and what I love about that is like, I, I, I can't speak for everyone, but man, I feel like a lot of people can hear that and go, mm, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I've felt like, I feel like I've felt that before. Like, I yes. feel like I've been in that moment where yes. it's so, it's so, in, it's so, it's, it's so hard to describe. It's so intangible, but it's mm-hmm. like, but, but like, it's like an, it's a, it's this deep seated knowing mm-hmm. of like, I, yes. I know that I know yes. what, I don't know what that is, but I know what that is. Right. You know, you, like you, you've experienced yeah. it. That is yeah. the point. So at soul yeah. level, yeah. Hmm. you, you're, you're tapping into an information that you don't, couldn't get from the kind of scientific Western paradigm, the current right. paradigm. Right. Yeah. But our, mm-hmm. our soul level is also talking with the other soul level. Yeah. Right. There's yeah. like, there's connection there. Right. And Which I'm going to give you an image. Exactly. Yeah. That's exact. Just to continue on that. Mm-hmm. When, 
Rob stops his chattering mind. And I got a free chattering mind. Yeah, yeah. And I see that as a blank slate. I see that as a blank slate. You just shut up, Rutledge. Yeah. Just like, just like a lake, a steel lake. I, I see myself. I see my, my, my most cherished beingness mm. reflected into this mm. lake. That mm. now, now he allows me to see myself. Mm. Mm. Like and when he reflects to me, is that what you're saying? Oh, mm. it makes sense. That is there anything else? And I, and we talk back and forth. That do you see that unification? I mean, that's divine. Yeah. That's yeah. that's that's connect. That's what we're yearning for. Mm-hmm. We are yeah. yearning. Mm. We are yearning for that connection, that 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 oneness. Right. Do you guys do you guys offer couples like couples counseling? Like, are, are, like do you guys? Do you, it's, it's it's just it's so wild to like see the two of you, yes. it, like like interact in this way. Where I'm going, they're like you guys. You guys, you, you would make a killing. Like it's just, it's it's it's, it's, it's partly mirror neurons, right? So yes, I mean, Gabrielle has yes, just taught me so much. I've been like on a crash course of learning, and I've got a lot to learn. I would start it off early, but this is a mirror neurons phenomenon. Right, so you see us being very loving and caring yeah. and kind of kissy together, mm-hmm. and it actually sets that kind of cascade of chemicals within your brain as well. Yeah. Totally. It's, what's really funny is that, like, I like I sometimes I have this like sometimes I have this 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 feeling where I'm like when I see other people expressing PDA like like yes. public displays of affection, I'm like, yes. ugh, fucking ugh. It's like it's, it's like it's kind of like there's like something that there's like a disconnect where I go, ah, this is weird for me, but like. <laughs> In seeing it with the two, like there's some, it's so infectious. Like I'm, I'm just, like I'm about to go grab Bigby and just like give him, <laughs> the, like I just wanna, Big, I wanna. Bigby's I, the dog. Bigby's my dog. Yeah, he's yeah. the dog. And, and then I, breathe. I just, and yeah, yeah, and I just wanna look into his <laughs> eyes and just give him a little kiss on the face and it's like it, it's Let infectious. Let him lick your lips. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Brad, you're you're gonna chime he's in. There. <laughs> I want to know how, like, how you arrived at this place that you express yourself from like you know in early relationships were were was mindfulness already a thing mm. for you was it so, kind of something that for for mm. both of you or or is this yeah you said um mm. you, you're each other's teacher yeah. and and yeah. and all Play of that yeah, yeah. yeah just wondering like has mm. how did has this it, happen yeah how does this happen we both had screwed up relationships. <laughs> you gotta be through a few bad ones. You are, you are. <laughs> it just didn't happen like that. We didn't just wake up and, you know, it, there's a core belief that relationships are just supposed to work. This stuff is, no, that's bullshit. No, because there's so much, you know, we all learn how to be and what's mm. expected of us. And we mm. follow those roles and those expectations until, until we hit the wall and we say, you know what? I'm done. There has to be another way to look at this. Mm. There has to be. I refuse to be the puppet. Every time you press this button, there is Gabriella. Press this button. Can I be the puppeteer? Can I be the mind observing this and acting differently from a mature place? How do I grow? How do I take responsibility for what is happening here? Mm. How do I... And, and just to say, Gabrielle is really fantastic at that. So for instance, um, one of the things is, so when I arrive home from work or she arrives home from work, I, I would call it a ritual, but that just sounds so dry. Mm-hmm. We have a, a way of being such that as soon as we kind of see each other, it's that first kind of 
kiss and hug and we spend the time and so no matter how crappy my day was or how busy we are whatever we're doing in that moment yeah you drop it i, I drop it and i run to him and i i'm as if i've never i i haven't seen him in ages right and every morning we go to sleep closing down that day so when i wake up and i put that foot on the floor that morning that's my day that's my day i'm gonna mm. have one more day mm. with him these are the best of times and every day is the best of time and it doesn't matter what's happening because stuff is always gonna shit will always happen right. that's yeah. a guarantee but we're still gonna cuddle, cuddle going to bed we're still gonna cut up going when up we go off, yes. and just yeah. to, to answer this off for you brian i just want to just say this quick thing so it's back to self-work so every morning i meditate and I'm praying to be a better person and I'm setting my intention to be loving and caring to every single person I meet. So mm-hmm. I keep working on myself, keep working at myself and that I'm hoping kind of washes over into our relationship as well. Yeah, and, and every time I go to bed, I don't carry stuff from the previous day. I, I address things. I, I don't let things, you know, let go of, the grievances. Let go of grievances. Yeah. Yes, but, and I address them. We are transparent to each other. We, we've learned how to communicate in a way that we don't cut each other down. We, we acknowledge each other's pain. We, 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 we acknowledge what is, but also knowing when we have that kind of communication, when he's my mirror, he's, he's my leg, he's my blind slate when I see myself. Mm. When we arrive at that place of, we have made a, a commitment at some level or another. We have said, you are my beloved. Mm-hmm. Soulmates. And so, yeah. so it's an odyssey. Life now, it's an odyssey. Mm. Life now is a joy. Every day we wake up, we wonder what's going to be today. And mm. how, how can I find, you, you become drunk on that connection. Mm. On that, the, mm. the moment you find that so recipe. You know, mm. you, you want to be or you there. Think, or you think yourself, oh I'm my God, I'm living I'm... with this guy. He's such a mess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teasing. My, my favorite thing is when we slow down and we breathe and we, re- there's, it's like slow motion kiss. Mm. Slow motion, lips looking at each other. Mm. Can you recognize that she's a kissaholic? Just I'm a kissaholic. Can I tell you what we did, guys? Can I tell you what we did? I yeah, did it happen in New Zealand because I. Yes! <laughs> Uh, I saw that. I saw that in the email. (laughs) (laughs) So for everybody listening in, uh, Gabriella... Hi, my name's Gabriella. I'm a kissaholic. Welcome. Um, so I don't know how the, how they started, but she said I want to be like kissed for like half an hour, and so we actually think did that in Bermuda first, first, and then in New Zealand she upped it to an hour. And um, in, in Australia, I amped it to an hour. Okay. And in New Zealand, I amped it to two hours. Right. But I only delivered like an hour 15. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I under-delivered. <laughs> Uh, so it's just a anyways, make out session, kind of? No, it's a yeah, but you have, to, you have to keep the lips in contact all, all the time. The time. It's, not, it's not like just like, mm, you know, all this type of stuff. It's like... And you've got to take a picture before and after. You have to do this experiment. <laughs> oh, my God. I promise so me, down. you guys, half an hour. I, I would have to... When you go to PI, when you go to PI, half an hour smooching nonstop. Picture just, before, picture after you send it it's, to us. It's actually... Did you just end up with that like sort of Kool-Aid stain look? Like, like, <laughs> no, no, but like it was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, your soul was bathed and oh my God, you got to try, yeah, try it. You have to try it. Because it actually does change the energy. It changes <laughs> the neurochemistry. So when we come back for podcast number 10 with you guys, yeah. we want to find out what your And I want to see the pictures because so. we can show you ours too if you want. Oh my gosh. I, I, I got to say, this is uh, with the moment that, I mean, it's kind of, kind of coming full circle here as we as we wrap up, but the, the moment that uh, we... That we connected in Banff um, after that talk, and uh, I got to spend what you know, what was it like three minutes just chatting with the two of you. 
I was I was really excited for mm, the sweet. time to sit down and to to have a conversation with the two of you. And, and and honestly, I had no idea like where where it was going to go. I, d- I didn't even know like what what we were going to talk about even even before before we started recording. Brady Brady and I were on the phone and 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 Brady was like, "So what? Like what are we talking?" And I was like, "I have no fucking clue. I don't know where. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't know." But all I know is that it's it like. This is just, it's going to, it's going to, or there's going to be a vibe chemistry. and it's, yeah, there's going to be a chemistry here. And it's, I, I have to say like from a very personal standpoint, um, I needed this conversation mm. so badly today. Thank you. Yeah. And so I want to say from like the bottom of my heart, thank you so much to You're the welcome. two of you for taking the time and the space to share what you've shared and, and not only to share the the knowledge that you have, but to just share the, to share all of that, all whilst sharing your own relationship um, right. through this Thank screen you. with us, because really, like, I'm, I just, I feel so, I honestly, I feel like, I feel filled up. I feel mm, filled up from your you. guys' love, and that's, uh, thank you. That's, that's something so that that I really just, I, I can't thank you enough. So Good. thank you be- for that. Thank you. And before Bridie kind of says goodbye or whatever, uh, I just want to say that there's a little teaching point there, and that is. You know, you know, you're like, oh, maybe we're probably gonna have sexual intercourse. You know, maybe within the next. I'm not saying right now, but at, you know, in a relationship, the two of the guys may think, okay, tonight's the night. Things are lining up exactly right. Uh, we kind of know that we're gonna have sexual intercourse, but why not go into it with the mind of, I don't know what's gonna happen, right? Mm-hmm. And so, in the mm-hmm. same way, we came into this interview being open to whatever's going to happen. So that's a quick little sexual suggestion. And if you want, next time you're both in the room, we're both in the room, we'll do a one-on-one teaching on how to actually do that communication piece. That will also be wonderful. <laughs> One <laughs> and we're, we're open to that. Yeah. 100%. I'm so yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank uh, you guys. Thank you so much. Brady, go ahead. Sorry, I got you so off there. I think I may be on a little delay this whole time, but or or my mind is just like chugging along trying to like <laughs> absorb everything in this ocean so but yeah but yeah next time for sure and thank you for all the same things jeremy said just uh thank it's, you it's just really i feel you guys thank you so sweet we'll chat later guys take yeah. care okay. thank you guys Bless you. love you Well, uh, there you have it, folks. That was our conversation with Gabriella and Rob. I hope you enjoyed it, because I sure did. And uh, are you still recording, Bridie? Oh, yes. Okay, good. Um, (laughs) And uh, fuck, man, aren't they just like, they're just a whirlwind of of love. What I would give to be able to just have a video component solely to to be able to see they were really insistent on sharing a set of headphones and sitting next to each other even though oh that God. doesn't always inc- right. it doesn't always lead to the best audio but i'm right. so glad right. i'm yeah, so glad they did they and, shared uh, air buds mm. they each had an air bud uh hey we should uh we should break their kiss record you want to try to kiss for like seven hours Oh my God! They kissed for what? What? Fifty-one minutes? It's almost an hour. Yeah. (laughs) What the world record is for that? It's it's probably something so fucking gross, like (laughs) like like seven weeks. Ew. No. Would you brush your teeth? Would you brush? Would you mutual masturbate? Brush your teeth? No, no, man. You can't brush your teeth. The world's longest kiss. 
Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Ikit akat akachai akachai tiranat rat. Tarananat. Tarananat. I think is the name of the person, maybe? Uh, longest kiss, and it wouldn't have been Valentine's Day without a big old smooch. The longest kiss lasted, ready for this? 58 hours, 35 minutes, and 58 seconds. Achieved by Ekachai Tyranaranat and Laksana Tinaranat. Did they sleep? No. They no, didn't eat or drink water? No, none of that shit. No. You can't have, you can't That's you can't impossible. separate your lips. That's not impossible. For fifty eight hours. You can't not drink water for fifty eight hours. What? Yes, you can. You're no, drinking you can only live like two days without water. Oh shut the fuck up. You're drinking the person's spit. You're drinking your it's lover's spit. That's the that's the water. Oh, all right. Fine. Oh god. This is so this is so 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 hot. Um well I hope you enjoyed that episode. Um <laughs> Tell us what you want to hear more of, because I have yeah. a feeling you're, yeah. there's lots of little tidbits in there that you may be like, "Hey, can we zero in on that thing?" Yeah, because we want to have them on. We want to have them on again, so yeah. we'll have them on again and, and narrow it in. Uh, hey, did you know the most hugs given 24 hours by an individual? The most hugs given in 24 hours is 8,709. 24 hours. That's so many hugs. It's not recent. No, no, not COVID friendly. You know. Uh, in discovering my life's purpose, maybe it should just be making the Guinness Book of World Records for something. Yeah, we could do. We, me and you could do it. Sixty-hour kiss. Here we go. All right, folks, that is it for this week. Absolutely. Until next week. Go fuck yourself. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 